There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. Of the Nganga. I can't actually. <laughs> Turn up the volume. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> uh-huh. Stop filling me with all these gross things. Oh, wow. That is the cry <laughs> yeah. of the Nganga. It's me. Hey, um, honestly, totally cool to help you with your request. Totally cool to help the Prenda and Kisi kind of guide your ways. Yeah. Go ahead. I, you know, I fixed that. Parking oh, ticket oh for we you. have another load of cum coming in. Oh, I just wish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Thank you, Nganga. <laughs> honestly, Thank you. <laughs> but again, if we could just stop with the human bloods getting muy caliente in here. Yeah, um, yeah. And to be completely frank, I wish we could go back to like skipping you ahead on the like the upgrade list for oh. Delta. Oh, that's, yeah. This is the that kind was of nice test. when you did that for me. Absolutely. Thank you, Nganga. Because I'll wait on the, the whole, I'll wait on the whole line, yeah. you know, and I'll call all the representatives. Oh, another load of cum coming uh, well, in. <laughs> yeah, oh, so. oh, you gotta, oh, oh, you gotta <laughs> drink some water or something, um, yeah. sir, uh, Palero. I just need you to Uh-oh, get some hold pineapple. Hold on a second. Here comes the squirt. Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben Kissel with Henry Zabrowski and, of course, Marcus Parks. Can we call this episode Here Comes the Squirt? You can't claim the title before the episode begins. All right. It has to be. How do how are titles chosen? How do you choose the title? I, usually I, I choose a title uh, through uh, something that I think gives you a general atmosphere for the episode, but ah, also so tells be. people, hey, this is going to be a good time. Hey, come on. It won't be Here Comes the Squirt, then. Uh, well, Here Comes the Squirt might actually be a very accurate title for this episode, because we are about to go from magic to... Tragic? Hell yeah! <laughs> Working, girl! <laughs> Working it indeed! Yes! 11 years of recording and uh, wow! Wow, that is pinnacle stuff. <laughs> I fucking reti- I retire. Great! Um, but this is, this is a very intense episode. I am so excited. We're going to get on to part two of Adolfo Constanzo. So when we last left Adolfo Constanzo, his client base was expanding beyond Zona Rosa locals and D-list Mexican celebrities into the world of drug traffickers, who were quickly becoming his main source of income. Cartels and small-time drug dealers paid Adolfo Constanzo top dollar for magical rituals related to their trade, with one trafficker in particular paying Constanzo $40,000 over three years just for magical protection. I want to do a little bit of clarification up top. I get some great responses um, that were uh, or practicing padrinos slash tatas of Palo Mayombe huh. that wanted to help me clarify some shit that we talked about last episode. And one thing that seems to really come across is that whatever Adolfo Constanzo was trained in, it was some form of serial killer's light version of Palo Mayombe, hmm. where he was hooked up with a padrino at a young age that essentially defied all things that are sacred about Paolo Mayombe and gave them to him in kind of a unofficial, I want to say just a real like life hack 
This what? is this is a shout out to Brooke Van Poppelen. If Brooke Van Poppelen on her show True TV, yes, yeah, so on True TV, you remember that network. They would <laughs> tell you how the quick way to do Paula Mayombe. Life hack, yeah, yeah, which is not necessarily great. You know, the only <laughs> life hack that I've ever remembered is if you cut a potato in half and you put it into the light bulb, you can. Uh, you that can, shit does not fucking work. Well, it does. <laughs> Potatoes are too hard. I've never used it. I've never tried. You I think just, you microwave it a little bit. This is all just you. Know, you remember the commercial, the life hack with the potato. Everyone remembers that. I don't Follow remember the commercial. Palo okay. thank you, Marcus. <laughs> uh, but so one big thing is that in Palo you cannot be a member of the LGBT community and be involved as a padrino or a tata in Palo Can't be a tata. Huh? No, you can't be a tata. You could be a tito, but that's outside of the religion. I don't even know what that means. No kidding. That's not the only discrepancy. Obviously, the human sacrifice is a big no-no. Everybody gets upset because the human sacrifice is a massive, you know, a flagrant insult to the sacredness and the sanctity of Paolo Mayombe. Okay. Um, and then also, it just seems like he had like a hodgepodge of learning about Paolo Mayombe and mixed a bunch of shit together. Because so. the other one that was really strange was the fact that he initiated to those two dudes, Oscar and Martin, like fucking immediately, which doesn't really happen. Most people don't become a padrino or a tata until like 10 years after deep into And then like, you have to be ready, spiritually ready to build an engagement. So you're telling me that someone who is named the Spanish version of Adolf didn't play by the rules necessarily. (laughs) You're calling him a maverick? I'm calling him indeed a maverick. <laughs> a maverick well, with deadly intentions, perhaps. Well, as we'll see again and again with Adolfo Constanzo, he'll just make people padrinos because he, for him, this is all about power. This is all about control. And it's all about murder. You know, it all comes back to that. And so whatever gives him more power and whatever allows him to murder more and more easily, that's what he's going to do. And that's who he's going to bring in. Now it's like when Oprah gave away all those cars. It's loyal, loyal listeners hmm. and viewers for life. Hmm. <laughs> you know what? Yes. It kind of is. Uh, also, they we're going to see in this episode, now he's switching. He used to be really intent on showing people that he's a genuine wizard. Mm. And he was a, you know, all-powerful, all-seeing Padrino. But as soon as he gets a taste of that money... Because mm-hmm. he becomes addicted to the money. In this episode, you're going to... Because I get it, man. I love fucking... I love fur coats, I guess. You fell asleep with your wallet, as a matter of fact. Henry was a little late getting here. Apparently, the wallet was in bed with you. Do you cuddle it at night? Yeah, it's at night. Just like I dream about tax demarcations, and I think about my Amex oh, points. Yeah, nice. And the man who would usher Constanzo into the drug trafficking world as an actual player was Florentino Ventura Gutierrez, who was then the director of the Mexican branch of Interpol, in addition to being one of the most powerful lawmen in Mexico. Yeah, dude. Damn. Adolfo Constanzo was hobnobbing with top officials. He was not a small-time player. Well, he somehow, I mean, that's where it's like the magic comes in, right? Where it's like at some point... He went straight to the fucking boss of the corrupt yeah. cops. Rasputin-esque, mm-hmm. perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's all about confidence. Mm-hmm. But Florentino, like many law enforcement officials in Mexico, was corrupt. And he paid Constanzo thousands of dollars over the years for cleansings, predictions about the future, and protection against enemies on both sides of the law. Are we yeah. talking like coffee bean colonics here? What do you mean cleansing? <laughs> well, well, Olympia. The Olympia. Olympia. 
He hits you with the stick. You get the stick. You get cut. You get into his. You go put in his little room, his room of death. You put. They put a blindfold on you. They spit rum all, all over you, which you'd love. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it close your like mouth. Fun. Close your mouth. I know. I know. I get the spit rum. <laughs> and they, yeah, th- that's what they give you the cleanse. Oh, huh, okay. Well, through Ventura, Constanzo met Salvador Alarcón, a subcommandant federale who worked the border between Brownsville in Texas and Matamoros in Mexico. Matamoros being where Constanzo would commit his most heinous crimes later on. As soon as he saw that Matamoros connection, he knew, he's hmm. like, because that's where the big drug money was. It was because mm-hmm. now he's been kind of rolling little dealers. And it's really strange. It happened very fast. He went from being a fortune teller in a strip mall deep in the Mexico City to immediately robbing drug dealers. Um, which is a big job. That is a big job. <laughs> and they say that the part of the connection is there has been a secularization of Palomayombe that goes into the Santa Muerte thing, right? Whatever the Santa Muerte religion is, is highly secular. They really view it as like, I put money in, I get money out. Like, this is a tool. And... What they kind of have done with whatever Adolfo Costanza's padrino was, it shows this line of thought where he knew immediately it was always kind of half a scam. It was Mm -hmm. always about money. And Santa Muerte to them was just a practical use of ancient magic to get shit over on cops and other drug dealers. Well, look at at what happens with with sneakers. Aren't they all the same? It's magical thinking that makes them different. No, there's different designs and fits. Indeed, yes, but they're really quite similar. Are they all go on your feet. I have a summer lighter <laughs> shoe. I got my heavier winter shoes. I got the dynamic colors and I got black colors and I have to wear only black. So you know there's all difference and then some things are just fun. It's just a fun shoe because it's got a spooky ghost on it. I, I bought a shoes as ghosts on it the other day. All right. You started this. You are continuing it. Let's get back to the blood. Please. Now, according to reports, Constanzo's contact Salvador looked like your stereotypical bad motherfucker. Mm. He'd been cut down the middle of his face with a knife years before, but instead of dying, he now had scars that made it appear as if he had three different faces. Dude, this whole episode is like a fucking Tarantino movie. I love it. And even before Constanzo came on the scene, Salvador was already witchy, believing that each of his three quote-unquote faces were possessed by a different spirit. One, he believed was a Sioux warrior. Another was a murderer from Cuba. And the third was an African witch. That must have been a really interesting fight to have at dinner. <laughs> Just with all three of those how strong do you order? personalities. Yeah, yeah. How do you get everybody on the same page? It does sound like I the want wi- spaghetti. I want gumbo. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, uh, I want human blood. <laughs> it sounds like the waiting room in Beetlejuice. Oh, it really does. Yeah. And supposedly, upon meeting Salvador, Constanzo recognized all three spirits immediately. And once he named each spirit, Salvador was sold. This is my new guy. All right. And seeing his value, Constanzo quickly initiated Salvador as a palero and carved the symbols of Siete Rayos, one of the Palomiambe gods, into Salvador's shoulder. Oh. Adolfo Constanzo's main deity he worshipped was Cariempembe, which is the uh, the version of the devil in Palomiambe. So he was like, he's kind of like Richard Ramirez, where mm. there are, fl- if, if he didn't brutally 
a murderer and torture so many people. You could almost call him like a poser in Paolo Mayombe, where mm-hmm. he's very much into the ACDC of Paolo Mayombe. Oh. Going into all of his shit, talking about the devil and darkness, because most of the other Tatas I was speaking to, they talk a lot about balance, where his whole thing was like, you will give up your soul. You will give in to Bembe. You will be an empty vessel for my vile fortis. What if I just don't? <laughs> well, I just... Man! I gotta go. <laughs> you ruined my Saturday, dude! <laughs> Interesting. So after the initiation, Salvador became Constanzo's man on the inside when it came to both law enforcement and drug traffickers, and Constanzo's reputation as a man who could ensure successful drug deliveries only grew. But this shows what Constanzo was really good at was reading people. Yeah. And he was really good at being a fortune teller in just in terms of like he could read you, he could tell you all your shit. When he saw the guy with the scar with the three like, is, window panes. But it is easier to read somebody with massive scars yes. and just be like, it's been rough, it's been <laughs> yes. rough for you. Exactly. If like someone is just like pretty normal and you don't know they're really into gaping BDSM. Yes. That's tough. That's a, yeah. that's a flip. Yeah. That's a boom flip it moment. But this guy. <laughs> boom flip it. He saw, he was really good at fortune telling. But yeah. he wasn't he was really a, good a wizard. Con man. He was a really that's, good con that's man. That's what a con. That's what a fortune teller is. A con man. Yeah, and but when sometimes they have this- three nipples, like in Mall Rats. <laughs> Remember that when she ate the nipple? Yes. <laughs> was that Mall Rats? I think so. Anyway, that was Mall so. Rats. Yeah. But then he, but he immediately knew. I don't really know, and I know that if I'm fucking with drug dealers, I have to provide results. Yeah. So what he understood, Jeez, he was, I wouldn't do it. He had this new group of like, he had this like burgeoning cult all staring at him. And the first thing he says, he's like, well, now we got a man on the inside so I can really tell these drug dealers what's going on. And they're all like, what about all the magic? And he's like, this helps the magic. It definitely does. <laughs> Scary business. Well, Constanzo would bless a shipment and the more loads that went over the border without incident, the more Constanzo's reputation was solidified and the bolder Constanzo got with the claims about what he could do. Just cut to the border agent, taking out his pocket knife, poking into the load, just be like, come. Yep. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it's more you. Mexican come. They're sending you. it across the border to impregnate our children. You started this episode with come. I'm sorry. It's been a long week. <laughs> And since traffickers were weighing losses of millions of dollars for a seized shipment of cocaine versus Constanzo's relatively smaller fee, Constanzo started charging the big bucks for his services. However, the more shipments Constanzo was able to get through, the more he started to think that a much larger piece of that drug pie should belong to him. Sure. So he asked Salvador to introduce him to potential partners. And this shows his real power, because I don't know if you've ever met a drug dealer, um, but they don't like normally, they're not super into the question of like, where you get this shit from? Where are you getting it from? <laughs> yeah, they don't like that. What's the name of the guy that you get this from? Where do you Stu get it? or Stan? What's his name? Drug, druggy Dave? Or drug Dave? Druggy Dave. Steve? Yeah. Speaking to the flower. <laughs> Speaking to my enormous... Isn't it? It's a, oh, look at that. It's um, Yeah, it's plastic. Yeah, that's what happens when your last words on, the, on this earth will be muffled by a heavy bag. <laughs> Miriam, the cops all in the van outside just listen. Should we go now? Should we go now? Yeah, it sounds like he's just, uh, just, he must be in the bathroom or something. That's why he's grunting. (laughs) Pretty soon, Constanzo was introduced to the Calzada family. The Calzadas had originally been in the fire extinguisher business, but when they reached the profit ceiling on that, 
they found that hiding cocaine in their products was a perfect cover to get drugs over the border. Fucking shark mean, tank. Are, so they're, <laughs> were they fire? Were they part of the fire department? What do you mean no, the just, fire extinguisher business? They sell fire they extinguishers. Made fi- they made someone has just to make fire extinguishers. Product? They just yeah. sold one thing. Yeah. Yeah. How many fires? Oh, it's not like what? the my Pe- the my pillow guy only sells pillows. You're not yelling no, about him. No, he also him. sells now. He sells mattress tops. <laughs> to be fair, he was forced to do that by the market. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. They're in the fire extinguisher business. I get it. Now, even though Guillermo Calzada, the head of the family, was a hard and suspicious man, Constanzo was still able to gain his trust because Constanzo, the consummate con man, was usually able to persuade almost anyone of almost anything. Yeah, man, you got to come up from under, especially with a drug dealer. You have to come up and say, yeah. like, you know, I understand this is a complicated business Tough and times, a complicated yeah. business needs complicated runes. <laughs> I have so many different runes that are going to tell well, you where all the weeds going to go and I tell you what a lot of it's going to end up in a joint hear me out people have been doing cocaine through their nose for a long time what about up the butt up the butt cocaine what if we flip it boom flip it listen all we got to do is make a big enough pile of it and and, and people sit on it we made it make pants illegal <laughs> well Dolfo very confidently offered to become Calzada's magic guy saying that he'd perform cleansings and protections while also determining when and where large shipments of cocaine were to change hands which was a highly dangerous game to play mm-hmm. but he yeah. played it well okay I mean, it could be that Constanzo was preternaturally gifted at the drug game, or it could be that old Three-Face was the real brains behind the operation, considering his connections both to law enforcement and the underworld. What it seemed to be is that he'd get information from Three-Face, and then he would go, and to confirm it, he would do a ritual where he'd throw mm. the bones, he'd do all this kind of stuff, and he'd be like, yep, <laughs> the line is blue. Okay. <laughs> But regardless of the source of Constanzo's information, he was right again and again. The shipments were getting through and the Calzada family was thriving. But unbeknownst to them, Constanzo was also paying attention and absorbing everything he could about the drug trafficking business. Yeah, because the guy was guy used him as a confidant. So we mm. told him all the inner workings of how the business goes. And he did do the thing because eventually Constanzo, because it's not about you can't ask it like, where do you get this from? You have to go. In your all-consuming wisdom, tell me, how does the sangre flow? But you have <laughs> yeah, to sell it. Cool. I'll, yeah, I'll tell you anything you want to know if you ask it like that. Well, after establishing his reputation with the Calzadas, Constanzo got a little too overconfident and demanded a 50-50 split of the Calzada drug empire in exchange for further magical protection. And to this, the senior Calzada emphatically said, No. And naturally, Constanzo, not used to hearing no, flew off the fucking handle and started yelling that Calzada had to accept his offer, that he had no choice, to which Calzada said, get the fuck out of my office. Hmm. The way they described it was like a temper tantrum. As he was just like, you cannot do this to me. I am a wizard. I am the strongest man in the world. I did not get a single bit of ketchup or beans on these clothes today. You have any idea how difficult that is? And then finally, Calzada looks at him and he's like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. I'll kill you. And 
Constanzo, according to his diaries, because a lot of information we have come from his magic diaries. Mm -hmm. One thing that good padrinos do, and any good magical practitioners, keep extensive diaries where you talk about your rituals and how they all came out. I mean, I would avoid mentioning all the crimes. Oh, and it was thorough in there. (laughs) But he basically said it reminded him when he was rejected as a boy for being different, for being tall and beautiful. (laughs) It's not easy. When you're just delicate and, and they all, I guess they tortured him or something, and he... He reverted, and he didn't like that. He didn't like that at all. Yeah. I mean, this failure was terribly humiliating to Constanzo, and in response, he became more ruthless, more violent towards his followers, and more concerned with the acquisition of wealth, cars, jewels, and especially white suits. He's like Jay Leno. Yeah. More cars. You know, I hear he's a regular guy. Regular guy. He sits on a couch. He comes in. And he's got his. He's got his call magazines. Jay Leno. He's like a you regular and me. guy. Yeah. Constanzo also began buying houses and apartments all over Mexico City with the assistance of cult member and real estate agent Francisco. And Constanzo bought fancy cars that he'd use to reward followers who'd pleased him. Oh. Now, most of that was paid for by magic. But as the greed increased, this cult, who remember, this cult was not made up of criminals at all in the beginning. They began to focus more and more on straight up drug trafficking. They just became a merch company. Right. And they, all of a sudden they realized, like, because well, he was not getting the respect that he wanted. He wanted more magical powers. But then at some point he just switched it. And he's just like, you know what I'll take instead? Is money. Yeah, all the drug yeah. money. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, this is actually the way Constanzo did all this. It's fairly similar to Charles Manson, where it, the early followers of Adolfo Constanzo were not criminals in any way whatsoever. They were just people who were into magic, who were into fortune telling uh, that he seduced. He was fucking most of them. He was fucking most. Yeah, he seduced them both uh, spiritually and physically. Uh, and before they knew it, they were doing whatever the fuck he wanted. Would you say of all the cults we've covered, this because this is more of a mini cult versus like a, a full on big old cult. Would you say that this was the, the most consensual sex had within a cult in a while? Oh, I mean, the Manson family had the most consensual uh, sex right. of anybody I'm else. I'm sorry. Yeah. How dare I? How dare I? Yeah. How dare I? Definitely more than children of God. Uh, You're actually, right. Lord Almighty. No, not consensual. Not at all. No. You're right. You did that to me. <laughs> that was four you years. You're the one who pumped it into my brain. I didn't, I didn't just research that on my own. Isn't that weird? That was four years ago, like this week, Jeez. that we were covering that story. Wow. In 1987, Constanzo and his followers posed as DEA agents and raided the office of a dentist who also happened to be a Coke dealer. Cool. <laughs> I really want to go to Mexico. Man, fine. That's fun. Going up, you ever you ever had doctor's ass? <laughs> He's fucking incredible, dude. I tell you what though, but I I ended up giving him twenty five thousand dollars. We're starting this like whole IPA farm, is what he called. Really? Yep. It's an outside bar where it's you can ride a cow bar. to where the you can ride. A cow to where all the IPAs are. He has over 175 IPAs I, on tap. I think saying. you got sold a, a wrong bill of goods there, buddy. I think it's a false bill of goods. IPAs grow in canisters in, in uh, fun Portland. We're calling it Farty Hills. <laughs> I would go to Farty Hills in a heartbeat. 
Well, Costanzo and his followers beat the dentist within an inch of his life. They stole his whole cocaine stash and used the drug money to buy Costanzo a new condominium. He jumps right in. He's like, fuck it. We're busting these. We're doing it old school. Costanzo then got into smuggling and made $100,000 on a shipment of coke bound for Miami. But all the while, Constanzo hadn't forgotten about the magic that had bound his followers so close. And he certainly hadn't forgotten about Guillermo Calzada. Mm. Eventually, Constanzo decided that Calzada had to suffer for refusing his offer. So he asked his followers Martin and Omar if they were interested in trying a new type of quote-unquote ritual. Do I get to be on top then? Nope. <laughs> no, always on the bottom, Omar. <laughs> but first, Constanzo had to regain Calzada's trust. He returned to the drug kingpin and asked for forgiveness, claiming that his formerly brash and insulting behavior was the result of an evil spell cast by a rival wizard. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. You can always say that every time you have a bad tweet from yeah. now on, you should just say like, Oh, some rival spell from an evil wizard. I don't know what the hell was going on. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Or was the shitload of cocaine I'm doing. Although he did not do cocaine, did he? No, he did not touch his supply. No. Sober as a cat. Okay. Mm-hmm. But Constanzo said that he could make all of this right with one simple ritual. He told Guillermo Calzada that if Calzada was amenable, Adolfo would perform a cleansing ceremony for every high-ranking member of the Calzada family, free of charge. That's wow, huge. That's pretty big, yeah. It's like a $20,000 uh, value there. Yeah, that's dude, a normally lot you, of fake stuff. Honestly, <laughs> so much fake stuff. You have to get 10 holes in your punch card normally to get wow. that. Wow. It takes a long time. Yes. Unfortunately for Calzada, he agreed. He gathered his wife, his mother, his maid, his bodyguard, his business partner, and his secretary in his home at Constanzo's direction. And Constanzo showed up with a crate of eggs and a couple of chickens. I mean, this is wild, dude. Uh Uh-oh. He arranged the calzadas in a circle and lit candles, then began chanting. He appealed to the Orishas for strength. He called for Siete Rayos to strike down his enemies. And just as he reached the climax, the real ritual began. They said the first thing you notice is that as he span in a circle, right? So as he spun in a circle, like contorting and shit, and he was screaming about his enemies. And every single time he said enemies, he point at them. Like, he'd point at the people in the circle. And they said, for a second, everyone's been like, why are you pointing at me? <laughs> I'm not your enemy. You know, like, <laughs> and apparently, um, they were the main show. Wow, it's never good if someone shows up with a bunch of eggs and chickens. Be very, very nervous. Mm-hmm. Constanzo raised the machete in the air, and at that moment, Martin and Omar burst into the room with submachine guns and erased the entire Calzada crime family (laughs) in a matter of seconds. Damn! And not one egg was broken. They got fucked. No, they were all, they ended up getting all smishy smashed, but that was a part of the ritual because the ritual just began because some of them weren't killed immediately. Some of them were saved. He shot the bodyguard, but they saved Mr. Calzada was brought to him immediately. Meanwhile, they're all throwing up and shit. All the other people doing the ritual, because they haven't killed anybody yet. So this is their first one, and they just jump right in with the spraying everybody with fucking machine guns like it's a fucking Dick Tracy scene. Damn. 
Now, one thing Constanzo's cult excelled at was crime scene cleanup. And when the cops investigated the sudden disappearance of the Calzadas, they couldn't find any real evidence that a mass murder had taken place. Although they really can't have looked that hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what is the other option? An entire family just disappeared. Well, they have the same rationale as always. When they look at these bunch of drug dealers all dead, they're like, yeah, something happened. Something definitely happened. <laughs> because they were used to shit happening. And most of the time, it's stuff that they also aren't supposed to see or like know about or they right. do know or they like knew about it like way months beforehand. And they actually are. It's weird to be surprised. So I think at some point they're yeah. like, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, this happens. This is how they this is how they talk. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely does happen. But about a week later, the bodies began washing up on the riverbanks of the Rio Zumpango, north of the city. The first bodies to appear were the bodyguard and the secretary, and the cultists had terribly mutilated both of them. Hmm. They'd cut off the bodyguard's toes, ears, and fingers, and had shoved rolled $20 bills into the empty sockets on his hands. They'd also shot him, bludgeoned him, and castrated him. As far as the secretary went, her neck was cut so deep she was almost decapitated, and the heart had been removed from both of their bodies. Then, the next week, the other five bodies showed up as well. This is where they say there might have been some evidence of the fact that they had been held for a little bit, and that mm-hmm. the, the they killed a couple of people up top, and then everybody else they kind of worked on. Well, if you're a cop, all you got to do is go around the town, have people turn out their pockets, and see if there's any toes in there. I mean, some we're looking for someone with ten toes in their pocket. The truth, honestly, is you got to check the shoes. You got well, you got to just find the toes. You find the toes. You found the killer. There's a small fingers. We don't need Italian cops around here. Fingers, toes, hearts, and sexual organs were missing on all the bodies, including those of Guillermo Calzada. Throats were slashed, chests were hacked open, the spinal column had been removed from one of the bodies, and the brains had been removed in two more. They are having a lot of fun that day. And according to Constanzo's followers, these body parts had all been removed in the service of magical ritual, making the Calzada crime family the first humans to be fed to Adolfo's increasingly bloodthirsty Nganga. No! But the Nganga don't want that. The Nganga in the Nkisi inside of it is just a lonely spirit looking for communion. It's really excited to have someone to communicate with. And a lot of times if you do some form of human sacrifice to the Nganga, it can say no. It can do it gets what do you mean it can say no. We gets it, apparently it goes silent. I don't know what it, they mean when they say it says yes or no. So we don't like the brains. We know we don't like the brains. It gets mad about the brains. It's too it's too caliente. But think about this, you went from just running a fortune teller business now you got a little bit of a drug dealer, and then it was like two weeks later, right. you are mutilating and sacrificing S- seven people? Mm-hmm. It's a big jump. At this point, it is him, Martin, and Omar. Okay. It's, it's him and his two right-hand guys. You know, essentially his boyfriends at this yeah. point, because they've got a throuple thing going on. Oh, very Joe Exotic. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Now, during the subsequent investigation into the Calzada murders, Constanzo's name never even came up, and he took this as a sign that he could choose a new, more violent path on the way to what he believed to be true power. And so, about a month after Constanzo allegedly fed the Calzada family to his Nganga, he got a line on an even bigger cartel fish through Salvador Vidal, old Three-Face, because Three-Face was now working full-time in Matamoros. 
Now, Constanzo knew since Matamoros was a border town that swelled every gear with spring breakers, it was ripe for opportunity. So he directed Three-Face to find him a crime family he could control. Man, where's the real movie on this? I want to see this movie. Before long, Salvador had the Hernandez family. But the problem with the Hernandez family was that Constanzo thought they were too powerful to take head on if Constanzo eventually wanted to gain control. Because that was the whole plan. The plan Mm. is find a drug cartel family, find someone who already has the infrastructure worked out, and then Constanzo would little by little take control, and then he would have essentially a private army. It's a fucking hostile takeover. Yeah. He wanted to go and he, because it's interesting, because he, he it's, that's where I don't know if I'd ever call him smart, but I definitely call him brutally cunning, and what he did know is that you need all the trappings in there, because you know mm-hmm. how hard it is to get the cocaine guy? Right. It's gotta be difficult it's to call. Real- you can't just cold call Columbia. No, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta catch him. Well, since the Hernandez family was too powerful to just show up and say hey to, Constanzo needed an introduction of some point, some leverage, someone who would vouch for Constanzo's powers that, you know, a person that the Hernandez family could trust. And he also needed someone that could help in Constanzo's grab for power. Hmm. That woman was Sarah Aldretti. In time, Sarah Aldretti will become one of Adolfo Constanzo's closest confidants, his madrina. But in 1987, all Constanzo cared about was the fact that she had, in the past, dated Elio Hernandez, <gasps> now the head of the Hernandez crime family. Oh, man, 1987, so many shoulder pads we're not talking about in this story. <laughs> Filled with cocaine. Yeah. As far as how they met went, Sarah was driving with her sister in her dad's Impala in late July of 1987. Cool. Suddenly, a Crown Vic passed their car, made a U-turn in the middle of the street, Woo! and began driving towards her head-on in the middle of rush hour traffic. Oh, wow. Is it going to be a collision? With love? <laughs> no, fucking torture murder, if you call it love. Sarah slammed on the brakes, and when the Crown Vic stopped as well, Adolfo Constanzo, handsome, dashing, and dressed in an immaculately clean white suit, stepped out. It's the big heavy chains, too. He loved the big gold chains, the big fur coats, and at that point, he just fucking... He cut a visage that was mm-hmm. very, very interesting because he was also very tall. But solid. he is one hot dog away from looking homeless. That's though. the problem. That's <laughs> the thing with the white suit. You get one ketchup stain on that, you are done. Sarah was six foot one. She was a volleyball champion. Oh, she was very no beautiful. Very wow. she stuck out in a crowd. And so when he saw her, like they they kind of couldn't handle each other because also you're in the middle of traffic. So there was like building up a huge line of people honking. Get out of the way! <laughs> but he just kind of she said she, the words that she used was he enfolded out of the car like a cougar. And he came out <laughs> I don't. and he kind of positioned himself on the hood with his like hand on like the heel of his like with his head on his hands, just going like I have to be with you. Get yeah. out of the way! <laughs> have to be with me. They're yelling, but guess what, man? This is how it is. Because Sarah kept, she was like, no, I don't. I don't have to be with you. Oh my and he's God. just like, yes, you do. You have to be with me. And then eventually someone in the traffic was like, get in his car already! Yeah, absolutely. And she just was like, okay. Somebody's yeah. driving a mongoose. Honk, honk. <laughs> yeah, and within an hour, she was his. Like, he had completely and totally entranced her. And over the next two weeks, she spent every day with Adolfo, relentlessly pursuing her new infatuation with love letters, despite the fact that Constanzo very clearly told her, I'm in a thruple with Martine and Omar. Not interested. 
but that just made her want him more. It's very interesting because very he, Jody Arias esque. He almost. tried to lay the game on her, saying like, "We got, we have to be together. We're going to be together spiritually and physically." I mean, it's like he's like, "Your boyfriend is going to break up with you," and she's like, "What are you talking about? I, I have a boyfriend. And he he would never break up with me. He loves me." And then she gets a call from her boyfriend saying, "I got to break up with you." Turns out he's fucking sending goons. All this Whoa. shit's fucking. How you get a boy? It's how you get a girlfriend. But he had to lay on this this whole thing, being like, "This is the thing." I'm kind of bisexual. And I don't you, think you kill the other relationship that the person has. You don't kill someone's boyfriend to get a girlfriend. He no, is they didn't a, kill him. They just said, like, hey, it'd be a good idea if you left Sarah. Yeah, because the fucking narco-satanistas okay. have shown up. And that's when you go, respectfully, I bow out. Okay. <laughs> Now, first, Constanzo told Sarah that he was a lawyer named Alejandro on a vacation to Mexico City. Every day. (laughs) Then he told her he was an undercover cop investigating her boyfriend. And that he actually let her believe for months. But but eventually, he started layering in magic. I love this story. (laughs) When he and Sarah started jogging together every morning. I want to start breaking, because this is how it starts, right? Because Adolfo Constanzo was not a sporty guy in any way, shape, or form. I think you can imagine it at this point. He seems kind of sporty, tall, thin. He's just got, he has no, he is a a very fabulous, insane person, right? He is not a, uh, he's not, he does not exercise. He's got Keith Raniere body. Yes. Oh, a thinker's not good. Body. Not good. He is a magical <laughs> practitioner. He is not a basketball player. Yeah. And so at some point she was like, well, if you want to hang out with me, because she was trying to play it like kind of like, you know, let's see how this goes. And she was like, well, you know, I go jogging in the morning, so you would have to do that. And he's like, that's funny because all I do is yog in the morning. <laughs> and she was like, okay. So normally he shows up because he has his fucking big white fur coat, big heavy chains, you know, white yeah, tailored suit, that, all yeah. this kind of shit. But then when they show up to jog, she's in her gear and he shows up in all white gear, right? White shirt, white little short shorts, brand new white trainers, but he's still wearing the huge chains. <laughs> and they just start jogging together. Gotta look good. It'll yeah, hurt but- But once they started jogging, he never broke a sweat, never got tired, no matter how far they ran. She actually gave up first. Wow. And when she asked him how this was possible, he said, quote, I never get tired. It's because of my religion. Is that fucking cool? But I feel He's a like, dreamboat. Have you ever tried to work out with someone you have a crush on? Like go oh, the no. idea of do anything physical? Because no. it is fun to try to do something physical. And then the key is you have to take one big breath in at the very end to appear as if you're not tired. You go, yeah, today was actually a really good day. Like you just <laughs> hold in the, the breath for a yeah, long I think time. Work, working out is something you got to do alone. Some people yeah. like working in couples. Yeah. I don't. I don't mm-hmm. know. No, 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 don't like it. Well, after that, Adolfo began introducing soothsaying through tarot cards while making sure to splash a little chicken blood on top for appearances. Had to make oh. it a little bit special. And the readings Constanzo was doing were blowing Sarah's fucking mind. In the most consequential reading, he told her three things. She would receive money for school from a surprising source. An old friend she hadn't seen in years would give her a call. And a few weeks after that call, an ex-boyfriend would call with a problem. (gasps) Now, this is classic fortune teller scam. Because Mm -hmm. this stuff is like, this is pretty open-ended. And you can interpret this shit in many different ways. Right. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, within days, she got a letter from her college saying she'd qualified for a scholarship that she hadn't applied for. And a childhood sweetheart called to ask if they could come visit Sarah and Matamoros. 
two out of three. Not bad. And for Sarah, these two predictions coming true were enough to make her a believer in Adolfo's powers, even though she still thought at this time that he was an undercover cop. It's weird because cops were, you know, so often on the dime, you kind of get, you kind of assume that he's also kind of half crooked too. Right, right. But when Sarah called Constanzo to tell him that his prognostications were coming correct, he said, quote, The truth is, Sarah, I am a witch. Whoa! That's a hell of a reveal! But the whole time being like, so is that like a job? That would be my response. Yeah, what does it all mean? You make money doing that, or? Seems like he's doing quite well with his white jogging suit. But as it turned out, Adolfo had just done his homework. Seeing that Sarah could be a connection to the Hernandez drug family, Constanzo had Three-Face investigate and research Sarah. And from there, it was a cakewalk to predict all of her patterns. Oh my God, he trusted on Pumpkinhead once again and Pumpkinhead came through. It's really yeah, yeah. true. But the he, this is where... More than any other of our magical con men that we've covered in the past, he really is heavy on the con. And he understands yeah. that in order to get somebody's trust, you got to be right on the money in the very top. I think in a way, I call him, it's, it's smart. It's planning. In a way, it's smart, yeah. You have to premeditate these things in order to get a lock. And he needed a madrina. It sounds mm-hmm. like so much more work than going to college, getting a degree in business, working the markets. I never understand con people because that's just the truth. It's just so much easier to become an accountant. Yeah. <laughs> But there was one more prediction that needed to come true. Eventually, Adolfo revealed to Sarah that the ex-boyfriend that was going to call her was Elio Hernandez. And when he called with this problem, she should tell him that her friend Adolfo would be more than happy to help. In the meantime, Sarah had gone all in with Constanzo. She soon had her own altar at home and was doing rituals with the cult. President of the soccer booster club at her college by day and worshiper of Kadi and Pimbe by night. Can this you is, not trust anyone? This is a <laughs> real version of, of, like, again, this is a movie. Think about yeah. this shit. You are just a normal, very beautiful college girl doing your everyday shit, because they also thought She's that at this point... She's a soccer booster. But she did. She was highly normal, and she was doing uh. really well in school. But then you find out she was doing... Palomayombe rituals at night to get good grades, which, again, is harder... Than doing homework. Yeah. <laughs> they this would is... fucking mutilate animals all night and then go back and they would eventually see her with the beads. She was wearing the Palomayombe beads and then sometimes they would be normal and sometimes they'd be all smeared with way you, they were like, that must be paint. Which I think is, <laughs> we all know maybe the difference between blood and paint and mm-hmm. I think you just have to be like, yeah, that's it's paint, like, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. like paint if you painted with blood. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And people started, they did start to notice weird things about Sarah. Like she would tell little lies that didn't seem to really mean anything. Like she would show up uh, wearing a neck brace and say, uh, I crashed my car yesterday. And then she'd show up the next day with no neck brace and her car would be fine. Not a scratch on it and say, oh, the accident wasn't as bad as I thought it was. was." She's like, she's like Andy Kaufman. Uh, yes. <laughs> Performance but, artist, perhaps. Well, that was the problem is that she was hurting herself doing the twitching and cavorting of the Palo Mayombe Jeez. rituals. Like she was literally getting physical injuries from pretending to be possessed. Okay. Mm-hmm. And before she knew it, Sarah could chop the head off a chicken in one smooth stroke. And once the <laughs> and once the indoctrination was complete, Adolfo placed her in one of the highest ranking positions <gasps> one could have in a death cult. Sarah 
became the honeypot. Mm. Did you say she could behead a chicken with one stroke? Uh, I just found my new wife. Yeah, he behead my wow. chicken. Uh, uh, I did like how when Marcus said honeypot, he did the little come hither motion, which is what they teach um, of what you're supposed to do. When you I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> he literally did the. Also, what, where, where did you get taught that? It's uh, look it up. Look at Cosmo. How to finger a woman? Do they get they, they, Can they make here, the here, sounds? Yeah, you go. Scrape, 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 scrape. Does Eek the cat? Is he in the cartoon telling you how to do it? Cut your fingernails, fellas. That's all yep. I'm going to tell you. Oh yep. my goodness. <laughs> Meanwhile, Adolfo was at the very least pretending to be excited about Sarah romantically. He even called his mother to tell her about the new girl, but did it in a way that no one could find even remotely romantic. See, even after Adolfo became El Padrino, leader of a drug-dealing murder cult, he still talked to his mother in a childlike baby voice. And calling his mom about Sarah, he said, quote, Mommy, I met a girl who was born the same day as you. We are in love, Mommy. Aren't you supposed to be a killer or something? Why are you like I'm Mommy's favorite killer. Mommy's biggest baddest like killer. Oh, mommy, I get so big when I make the murder oh, happen. Oh, God. All right. But it's weird because that's what he... he the main thing that Sarah noticed is that he never asked about her and he never gave a fuck. He yeah. was what they always talk about when you read about magical studies. You get like a smugness and aloofness where you believe that you have powers beyond human comprehension. So you are separate from humankind. So he didn't care about Sarah's bullshit in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. But at some point he asked her what her birthday was. And when she said it's this day, he's like, that's my mommy's birthday. And he went and called and immediately being like, this is incredible. It's magic. You guys get to all love me. The same way because you're all the same birthdays. He's like Roy, Roy Cohn uh, <laughs> if he was a drug dealer, uh, in that he loved his mom very much and he would call her and talk to her even as he was getting plugged by many, many men. <laughs> cool. Yeah, Roy Cohn. Yeah. So by October of 1987, three months after first meeting each other, Sarah was fully under Constanzo's control. He told her who to talk to, what she could do, and where she could go. And it wasn't long before she finally realized that maybe Constanzo wasn't actually a cop. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it. It sounds very controlling, and that can't be fun. Unless, of course, you have a lot of fun, and you're like, fart, like, make it fun. You know, and then you make people have a good, like, have a good time now. Yeah, yeah. But yes, if he was the Toys R Us version of Apollo Mayombe, yeah. like, like yeah, if he could make people just fart on command, that would be the best thing on the face of the planet. He'd be president. Yeah. <laughs> Although I somewhat foolishly assumed that Adolfo was bisexual, I can now say that he was, in fact, gay. Mm. And this is evidenced by his behavior towards Sarah. It was mm. said that when he kissed her, it was in a, quote-unquote, brotherly manner and the the intercourse was both infrequent and brief. I just have never kissed Jackie in a brotherly manner. You may have been a sketch or two. (laughs) No, never once and lips never touch as brothers. Angelina Jolie and her brother, they used to have sex with each other, didn't they? Look how hot they are. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's a rumor. I don't know if we should they be substantiating They did kiss each other. <laughs> no, no, they did not have sex with each other, but they did get very romantic on the red carpet. I mean, that's just, yeah. there's, there's footage. And there's yeah, a there's family footage, photo yeah. of them of where she's wearing that, like, see-through white, like, A-top, I guess that's what we have to call it now, where you could just see her big pokey nipples, and hmm. she's like, her brother's just, like, smashed up next to him, and I don't even like touching Jackie's arms. No, and then John Boyd <laughs> is just, like, talking about how George W. Bush isn't a war criminal. I don't know what he's, but he apparently stinks. John Boyd? Yep. Really? Huh. 
physically smelling. <laughs> physically smell like what? I like a kind of, like a diaper. I could see him smell like a diaper. Like mm-hmm. a diaper. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. Big old voidy diaper. <laughs> <laughs> but to Adolfo, Sarah was a means to an end. And it wasn't long before Elio Hernandez, the entire motivation behind her recruitment, reached out to his ex-girlfriend. All right. Now, the Hernandez family had been in the drug trade for about a decade at this point, and they'd gotten into the business through almost pure happenstance. In the late 70s, a marijuana trafficker named Juan Abrego somehow managed to get a whole truckload of weed stuck in the mud near the Hernandez farm. And Saul Hernandez, Elio's older brother, pulled the weed truck out of the mud with his tractor. This is fun. That's a scary day for a fucking drug dealer. The truck driver just be like, they're never going to believe I got it stuck in the mud. They're going to kill me. My head's already off my body. You just call in AAA and just being like, it's oregano. It's oregano oregano salesman. So you're not going to believe this, boss. So about the weed, you know, it was raining yesterday. It's got all money in the street. I do not believe in mud. God damn it. (laughs) Oh, I'm so dead. Well, to return the favor, Juan Abrego gave Saul a low-level position in his cartel as a delivery grunt. But after an assassination attempt, Saul was promoted to bodyguard. And before long, the Hernandez family was the go-to crew for the dirtiest and riskiest jobs. So he almost got killed and they gave him a more dangerous job? Mm, well, he volunteered for bodyguard. Okay. Yeah, he, he said, volunteered. I can do it better than that guy did. Yeah. If I was there, you would. the assassination attempt wouldn't have even happened. Okay. Isn't All this right. how like Herman Cain got to the top of Godfather Pizza? Oh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Didn't he like find a truck that was filled with pizza stuck in the mud and he'll pull it out? Oh, R.I.P. However, Saul Hernandez was gunned down in January of 1987, and it was for this very reason that Elio had called Sarah. As it turned out, Saul had been the brains of the whole operation, and Elio was having a bit of a hard time filling his brother's shoes. And really, we don't know for sure, but it could be that Adolfo Constanzo orchestrated Saul's death behind the scenes while also manipulating Sarah, truly playing chess with the lives of others. Honestly, if he did do that, he is a wizard. I mean, he really is. He was an absolute psychopath. Absolutely. But psychopaths tend to do well in the drug business. Mm, And Adolfo Constanzo was a fucking, I mean, no matter what else he is, he was a genius when it came to the cartel game, at least until he started believing in his own bullshit. Ah. You know what he kind of reminds me of is a low level cartel Dick Cheney. Mm. Where he's very manipulative and he yeah. understands about pulling the strings of human beings very well. There was something about, I think, the years of fortune telling must have taught him a lot about human nature yeah. and what yeah. people want. Because they come to you and all you have to do is guess when you're a fortune teller, you're obviously in search of something or missing something or needing something. And then as soon as you unlock it, people just fucking spill their guts you get to learn the inner workings of all sorts of these i remember that when borat uh tricked adolfo constanzo into talking to him and signing his uh he was putting the microphone back (laughs) in his pants he was putting the microphone back in his pants yes indeed 
Thus, when Elio called Sarah, talking about all the problems he was having trying to run a small drug cartel, everyone is dying around me. (laughs) (laughs) Think about how hard that is to get promoted to boss when the boss gets fucking murdered. I don't know if I want to be the boss. Travis, if it happens to us, you have to step up to the mic. This is how this goes, unfortunately. You already does do the mic. Well, when he called with those problems, Sarah was locked and loaded with tales of Adolfo Constanzo's magical prowess. And within a month, Elio agreed to give magic a chance. Oh, no. But if Sarah was to control Elio, Constanzo needed to have complete control over Sarah. So, using yet another ritual, Constanzo fed Sarah's soul to Cadium Pimbe and made Sarah Aldretti his madrina and the caretaker of the cult's Nganga. Mm, that's a lot. That's a big old mean baby. That's a mm. lot, yeah. And here's kind of how the ritual went. Okay. After spraying her with a cheap Mexican liquor known to cause brain damage and oh. covering her in both chicken and goat's blood, which mm. was an experience Sarah described as vaguely erotic, wow. Constanzo brought out the knife. Wow, he just guessed correctly, though, with her. Sarah was down for the fucking clown. And she, for a while... He then carved a series of X's and crosses on her shoulder and declared that her soul was dead, that she was one of them, and that her deity from that point forward would be Ocean, master of money, love, and sex. Ooh, with all those X's and Y's on her back, I would have declared her a math problem. (laughs) You think about algebra. It's simple. Sometimes stories are simple, and jokes can also be simple. Indeed. Simple as the artist. <laughs> that, that, that was technically them. a math joke. <laughs> I don't know what it was. But Sarah didn't have sex with Elio, who obviously still had feelings for her. Instead, she turned on the flirt button, and eventually, <laughs> she convinced Elio to join the cult without having sex with him once. Oh. And after Elio's ceremony, he and Adolfo went to Veeps and had hamburgers while discussing the future of the Hernandez drug business. Did you read that Veeps was actually a second place burger for him? And he actually his preferred burger was Whataburger. Really? Really? He All of this piles went, and piles of wait, Whataburger, yeah. The wizard is eating the hamburgers? He, I yes. can't trust a wizard wait. eating a hamburger from a Whataburger or from Veeps. He loved Whataburger. Whataburger in Mexico? I thought Whataburger's only in Texas. He, he went to up to Texas. He'd go to Brownsville. Okay, so he yeah. went to Brownsville for a Whataburger. All We're right, not well. talking about Whataburger. We are, though. <laughs> Whataburger's pretty good. I miss Whataburger. I, I like just Whataburger. don't trust a wizard who eats it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all I know is you keep calling yourself a wizard, and all you do is eat, is drink Bud Light and eat pretzels alone in your house. <laughs> I didn't call myself a wizard. <laughs> well, during this conversation at Veeps, Constanzo, with the same confidence as before, demanded 50% of the business just as he had with the Calzadas. And Elio, maybe influenced by the high of ritual magic, maybe just desperate for help, readily agreed. Wow. So hell yeah, come on in. I think that he was deeply impressed by the by the ritual. Because you remember, when you go into the rituals, you go to his room of the dead, you don't see anything. You get the blindfold on like we talked before. So you don't know what's happening, but it's very impressive. And you get cut and spit on a lot. Yeah. So at some point, I think you're just like, oh, this must be serious. It better be, otherwise I'm a total idiot. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it seems like I'm accepting. I'm a drug dealer. And this man is cutting and spitting on me. I should be killing this man. I hate that. Yeah, instead, I usually hate that. I'm giving this man money. Wow. <laughs> well, in the end, the deal was this. Constanzo would cast the spells that would protect the business while taking half of the profits. And Elio would do the dirty work and take the other half while bringing more members into the cult. Now, so he doesn't do anything. 
He casts it. He does spells, man. Yeah, man. He fucking gets about executive, man. How did he man. make this happen? Well, he's a consultant. I mean, he really is a consultant. And really, that's what you're paying for. It's not just that you're paying. You're paying for okay. what you're really paying for is his connections to the fuck to fucking law enforcement and other drug cartels. Great. But, that, you're, that's, for- but you're calling it magic. It is the confidence and the, the you just want to be able to stand on solid ground with your magical practitioner sure. and make sure you got your contract filled out and you got the money going because the ingangas it's got to go in human blood and human blood costs money. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's not going to pay for itself. Now, Elio held up his end of the bargain at an impressive pace. And pretty soon, Adolfo's followers changed from the real estate agents, drag queens, and models of Mexico City to the outsiders, drug runners, and murderers of Matamoros. The first new member was Alvaro Valdez, a.k.a. El Doobie. Yeah, fucking El Doobie, dude. <laughs> El Doobie, Spanish for the Doobie. The Doobie, dude. <laughs> El Doobie was a preternaturally violent individual, busted at the age of 10 for stealing his father's gun and shooting the neighbors from a tree. Guy's a real go-getter. <laughs> Definitely. He joined the cult simply for the blood. He knew it was going to be violent, and he wanted to take part in the violence. After that was Elio's flamboyant cousin, Sergio Salinas, a.k.a. El Mariposa, the butterfly. Ooh. Uh, this all, honestly, it sounds like villains. In yeah. a fucking comic book. Yeah, after that you had Malio Torres, El Gato, so named for being more clever than the rest of the chumps in the cult. Indeed. They, apparently, he came from the Jellicle County of uh, Mexico. I don't know if you've ever Are heard you of the Jellicle Cats? Jellicle, Jellicle oh my God, Cats. I'm so mad at you. You're, doing, you're singing Jellicle, Jellicle Cats, cats and You could just see him next to Rebel Wilson. Who is killing a bunch of families and you're singing Jellicle Cats. Jellicle Cats can't be told what to do. Jellicle Cats don't, aren't they satisfied They can be drowned the in a small bucket. Yeah, Jellicle Cats also love fucking torture and murder. Apparently. And bowls of cum, as we learned from Sir Ian McKellen. Meow! No. He was the only one I was just thinking about that. Weird. And each and every one of these new recruits were given witchcraft lessons and were sworn to vows of loyalty, all while Constanzo continued rituals for the Hernandez family that he assured everyone would bring them a large shipment of drugs that would turn everything around. And sure enough, once the entire Hernandez crew agreed to do the rituals and join the cult, Corrupt federales seized a shipment of weed from a rival cartel and sold it at a discount to the Hernandez crew, which turned around the entire operation. And then it just comes down to, did the rituals work or is corruption the most fucking brutal cancer to go through the, the, the feds and the, and the involving the drug cartel? Like, this is insane. Well, maybe there was more mud. Was it stuck in the mud again? <laughs> nope. Nope, they just got it. They just, they got, just got it. Good for them. It's amazing this is all weed, too. For some reason, I'm thinking it has to be some really hardcore, great meth or some great heroin or cocaine. It's all just Nug. It and well, started, they start with Nug. Yeah. yeah. So you got to start. You always got to start with Nug. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can you can leapfrog over to meth. But yeah, you can't go just start with cocaine. No. I guess not. I guess not. Yeah. Mm. But once the crew was entirely under a spell, Constanzo changed the game. Now that he had a fair amount of muscle and belief in reserve, Constanzo took things to the next level and introduced murder to the cult at large. Like he like opened up the door and he's like, this is my friend murder. (laughs) 
In May of 1988, he and his crew hijacked a truck holding 300 kilos of weed, and Constanzo pulled his best Tex Watson on the driver. Uh Uh-oh. When the terrified man asked who Constanzo was, he replied, quote, The David, come for your soul. God damn it, I was worried about that. I was really hoping you would just be like, Name's Dave, I work over here at the Arby's, gonna give you a free roast beef. See, the cult had gotten the tip about the weed truck from new member Aurelio Chavez. Chavez was a foreman on a ranch called Santa Elena, and the weed had been farmed by some small-time traffickers on the next plot of land over. Eventually, Rancho Santa Elena would be where the cult would commit its most heinous acts, but at the time, it was just a good place to stage a hijacking. But as it turned out, this hijacking was about much more than just weed. After Constanzo's people loaded up the drugs, Adolfo walked over to the two men they'd stolen it from who were tied up nearby. He looked at them and asked if they were good Christians, and they both answered that they were. And according to his cultists, Constanzo then turned to them and asked to confirm that he had in fact told them earlier that all Christians were animals. And they're like, yeah, yeah, you did say yeah. that. Yeah, I remember yeah, you that rant. You, you can lie a little bit. Yeah, man. <laughs> Just be like, I'm a Methodist. What are you? What do you want me to say? And when they confirmed that statement, Constanzo, with a big smile, lifted the gun, shot both men in the head, and said, quote, We sacrifice animals. Well, sir, do you did you write that down before you said it? Because that was really cinematic. It's funny because... <laughs> That when was... you speak like this, you know what you begin to sound like. It sounds yeah. like a bow wow, or it sounds like a <laughs> cluck cluck. And do you know what makes those noises? A, a an animal would. And do you know what we do to animals? You're going to say it again? We sacrifice animals. Animals, yeah, we got it. Honestly, really great, though. Scary as shit. I will say this, boss, you are scary as shit. Yeah, my writers are getting crazy. Wow. Now, even though his followers were already believers at this point, the cold-blooded murder of two men was too, just too fucking much for some of them to handle. They didn't expect this. All of them were shocked, and one of them even threw up on the spot. I think it's El Gato. Yeah. <laughs> because if it comes down to it, El Gato was holding that back anyway. He's like he shot out a hairball. <laughs> But even though the murders were indeed disturbing... Oh, I it, just keep seeing fucking him doing this shit, panning to all, all the grisly cartel member, cult members, and the two guys shivering and the, the, the dirt and shit tied behind him. Constanzo's got the gun up again against their heads, and it's just the one guy in a cat costume. It's in the back. <laughs> cat. Oh, Jellicle cat. <laughs> but even though the murders were indeed disturbing, it wasn't enough for any of them to leave. And the cultists followed orders to bury both bodies. I mean, they had to be scared shitless, honestly. That's what I'm saying. You just, you have, you were on a ride for a while and making some money, drug cartel money, and then all of a sudden, this shit starts well, just, just imagine, fucking happening. We're on tour. We're driving through Texas. All of a sudden, Marcus pops two people. We have to bury the body. We have a Spotify contract. <laughs> oh, okay. We no, have to, you've shows. just done this. They have to come out. He yeah, has to write the outlines. Go. And if that's what it takes to get Marcus in the right headspace to write the outlines, uh, then that's what we will do. We'll bury the freaking body. I'll use my fucking bare hands to do it. Kissel El Perro. You're uh-huh. now the dog. I'm the dog. Um, you're a Benjamin El Perro. And uh. I guess I'm... What's the Spanish for top? 
Do you want to be the top? Yeah, what about like nice, be nice, war be. pig, war pig. Oh, El Puerco. Yeah, there you go, El Puerco. That'd be fun. <laughs> Would be fun. I mean, we're gonna yeah. end up, we're gonna get busted though. You can't get away with murder anymore. Uh, we'll call you La Chicharron. Pork oh, Ooh, the pork <laughs> That's me. Honestly, that's horrifying. Well, once the victims were dumped in a hole, Constanzo said that while these men were merely killed this time, the next murder would be for a ritual. And after that, every one of them would be protected forever. And the response was... Yay! (laughs) Well, they're putting putting bodies in holes, and he's telling them on the spot, "This is not the last time this is going to happen. We're going to kill someone else soon, and we're all going to do it together." And they all go, "All right," and then just you got it, boss. Honestly, you don't have much of a choice anymore. Well, even though it was now officially a murder cult, Elio Hernandez kept bringing in more people. The next was little Seraphine Hernandez, a.k.a. El Chaparro, which that's a nickname that basically translates to a description for a short, chubby man. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> little Seraphine is... That's um, a nice name for a girl to have. It is cute. It's, it is cute. <laughs> but little Seraphine is... Um, uh, he gets in uh, above his head. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna yes, say he that. Does. Oh, it's yes, a boy. It's a boy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Well, he's called Little Seraphine because his father was Big Seraphine. Ah. Uh, mm. yeah. 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 It's like how my dad used to be Little Bill and his dad was Big Bill, and now Dad's Big Bill. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah because yeah. because Big Bill did. If, I mean, he's dead. He died. Yeah, my my yeah, yeah. father. When big, so when yeah. they called my father Trenta Henry, Trenta and they call Henry, me yeah. Venti Henry. <laughs> really? Starbucks. Yes. <laughs> well, pretty soon. Little Seraphine brought two more members, a cocaine addict doing it all for kicks named Valente Gomez and a gay student named David Valdez, a.k.a. El Coqueto, the flirt. Why is that? You know, and that's the guy that does the... Whoa. Every single time they all get together as a group, because one guy's got to have that good piercing evil. Laugh. And then you're like, yeah. "Yeah, I made the joke, but it wasn't that funny." Yeah. You're like making fun of me now because you're yeah. laughing. You got him, boy. It wasn't that good. I just said yeah. I called him animals. But Can I here. also be a cat? I you know wanna, I'm a flirt, but I also a, like to shit in a box. You can be a cat. You want to be a cat? Yes. You're a cat. No. Sean, do cats don't sing no around here. <laughs> You can sing. Jellical cats. I hate you. Jellical cats. I like how we got Jellical cats back in. I'm so happy with it. All it took was another murder cult. Now, even though the cult already had an Nganga that seemed to be working out pretty good, Adolfo knew that the key to controlling any cult is to keep up in the ante. So he told his followers that it was time for a new Nganga. Ooh. This time, however... They wouldn't simply use a body robbed from a grave. No, no, no. Instead, this Nganga would be constructed from the body and soul of a victim whose murder the cult themselves would be responsible for. Ooh, I thought you were going to say they were going to steal the chocolate fountain from Golden Corral. Replace <laughs> the chocolate with blood. The great south, uh, south of the border buffet raid. Yes. I miss those days of crime, simple crimes. <laughs> But this is where, this is where I will say again that, according to Paolo Mayombe, this is like breaking one of the most like sacred cardinal rules 
of Palamayombe. You're not supposed to add any sort of chaos or pain into the construction of Nganga. You're supposed to be helping a wayward spirit. That's kind of how they view it. You basically give a spirit a a way to be... Like, give a contribution. You have to be, yes, be <laughs> jellical. So this is, um, it's just bad business. Okay. Yeah. Now, after the cult missed an opportunity to use a rival drug dealer when El Doobie lost his cool and fatally shot the guy at a Brownsville cantina called Los Sombreros. The Doobie, you're being very undoobie right now. <laughs> I tell you what, if it comes down to it, that's why we got to legalize this. Absolutely. <laughs> After that, the cult decided to use a perfectly innocent person named Ramon Esquivel, a.k.a. La Claudia. La Claudia was an antique dealer, drag queen, and former lover of Jorge Montes, a.k.a. Dr. Hindu. And when the doctor and La Claudia fell out of favor, Constanzo, Mm. who'd never liked La Claudia, decided that she would be their first true sacrificial victim. Now, even though La Claudia and Dr. Hindu weren't together anymore, they were still roommates. So Constanzo, Dr. Hindu, Martin, Omar, and a new guy went to La Claudia's place to wait while Sarah prepared the ritual at Constanzo's condo. Why do I see the new guy? Is you remember the guy that used to hold the umbrella for Puff Daddy? Of course. <laughs> he got very famous. It's like that guy. Like he's this like I'm the shoe guy. Yeah. <laughs> I get everybody's guy. shoes. What kind of shoes do you need? Oh, it's going to be wet outside. Got galoshes. How long do I have to be here before I'm the old guy, though? <laughs> when the, when the new guy shows up. When the new, 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 new guy. Yeah. Oh, I'm the old new guy. <laughs> I'm a glove guy. Okay. Well, when La Claudia entered the apartment, the cultist tackled her, bound her wrist with duct tape, ripped her clothes off, and forced her into the bathtub where the cultist had already plugged the drain in order to collect the maximum amount of blood. They then began the process of giving La Claudia a cruel, excruciating death. As cult members held her down, Constanzo cut off her fingers, toes, ears, and penis while she was still alive, causing the maximum amount of pain to both give the ritual power and to satisfy his own sadistic desires. We should probably should have said uh, gold star. Yeah. At some point, oh, so well, it's just yeah, you know now from now there. on, it's just uh, like, yeah. so it already happened and yeah. it's going to continue to happen. <laughs> no, it's getting there for sure. Yeah, wow. He then began to skin her alive, Whew. but Constanzo finally ended La Claudia's misery with a slash to the throat. After she expired, cult members filled a jug with the blood pooling in the bathtub and took it away for the ritual to come. They then gathered up the fingers, toes, genitals, and shin bones before opening up La Claudia's skull to retrieve the ever-important brains. That's the job of the new guy. <laughs> it's not oh, easy. It's horrible. Oh, so this is why I was invited. This is why you're there, yeah. I guess I, that's why you asked me to bring my ice cream scoop. Absolutely. The remaining parts were shoved in garbage bags and buried. Omar and Dr. Hindu, they cleaned the apartment well enough where the investigation into La Claudia's disappearance went cold almost immediately. And La Claudia's body and supposedly her soul were used to create the cult's new evil Nganga. Oh my goodness. But as we said last episode, the problem with using human blood to just even feed an Nganga, never mind make one, is that according to Constanzo's version of Paolo Mayambe, they believe that it would never be satisfied with anything else. Mm. In other words, their belief not only allowed for more murder, Constanzo had actually set it up where more murder was essential. 
if the cult wanted the magic to continue working the way they believed it had worked before. It's like when you give your dogs begging strips and you know for a fact no treat is ever going to be as good. It's a lot like that. <laughs> they and need they, the bacon strips. They love bacon strips. Because I remember that one time I, I didn't give Puffin a bacon strip, but he did say something about how he's like, I needed to sacrifice you. Like he was you. telling me some crazy. I'm going to kill Ben when he sleeps. Don't tell him. <laughs> what? What? I'm going to kill Ben when he sleeps. Don't tell him. Puffin, no. Puffin, that's bad. I've been sharpening my razors. I get in my nails. Puffin, go get your father's credit cards. <laughs> we need to rack up some bills first. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to order all the new bacon strips. <laughs> he loves begging strips. This is not, we don't get paid by begging strips. <laughs> so when it came time for another big ritual, nothing but another murder victim would do. Oh my. This time, the need for human blood arose from what could be described as a bit of a blooper on Adolfo's part. A blooper. <laughs> a blooper <laughs> leads a to a blood sacrifice. It's a bit of a blooper, yeah. <laughs> Well, Constanzo had attempted a double cross in a cocaine deal with some traffickers in Texas, where Constanzo had planned to sell the traffickers 75 kilos of cocaine for a million dollars. But instead of giving them the drugs, Constanzo was planning to kill him at the handoff and take everything for himself. Why wouldn't they assume that was going to happen? I, I mean, mean, honestly, that's, that's I, what mean, I, I would, would always it's assume. Risk. It's always a risk. Yeah. But when it came time to implement the plan, Constanzo's gang wasn't quick enough, and Elio's brother Ovidio was kidnapped in the fracas that followed. To pay for this failed ruse, the Texans were demanding their money back and the cocaine in exchange for Ovidio. Now, Constanzo refused to give back the money or the cocaine. Instead, he chose an alternate route and told his followers that Ovidio would be returned to them through dark magic. And all he needed was a sacrifice for the new Nganga. Sure. Okay. The thing about the new Nganga that the cult created was that it was filled with the remains of a very recent murder victim. And as such, it wasn't a good idea to have it in, say, Adolfo's condo. HOA. Yeah. It's so hard when you're dealing with all these, like, these condo condo rules. Homeowners they Association. Have, they get yeah. so upset because, you know, it comes down to, like, uh, you have to keep your fucking Smells house like painted. Smells like dead bodies in like, here. Yeah, that's my religion. Also, the grass is a little long. Yeah, well, my fucking machete's real long. Okay. So, the cult set up their murder in Ganga in a shed outside of Matamoros on Rancho Santa Elena, which was the ranch where cult member Aurelio Chavez, who tipped the cult off on the hijacking, was foreman. So, on the day of the ritual, Elio picked up the first person he found off the side of the road, a hitchhiker, and bound them with tape. He then brought the unfortunate soul to the ritual shed, where La Claudia's rotting remains stewed in the cult in Ganga. As before, Constanzo removed the hitchhiker's fingers, toes, and ears. But this time, he did it while pleading to the gods for help in the freeing of Ovidio and the crushing of the cult's enemies. Constanzo then spat rum on both the victim and in the cauldron before beginning what can only be described as a ritual rape. Because according to what Adolfo told his followers, the mutilation and torture was essential because evil death breeds evil deeds. Once the rape was over, Constanzo ended the hitchhiker's life by pulling out a razor-sharp machete, and with a precision that can only come from thousands of ritual sacrifices, he chopped off the top of the hitchhiker's skull, 
exposing the brains. Malcolm Gladwell. Oh. 10,000 hours. I also, with this oh, whole I see ritual, what you're, yeah, yeah, it took a lot of work. <laughs> you're a horrible person, but yes, I see what you're um, saying, yes. But I'm not going to, I don't like the term improvised for this, but he definitely was just making shit up as he was going in terms of these rituals. There is no manual, like from what I heard from the Tatas that uh, emailed me, for this type of shit. Yeah, they don't he have was, a Bible. There's no, no Paula Mayombe Bible. There are sources, but it's honestly, most of it is. Family styles that are handed down. Yeah, one of the one of the chapters is like drug dealer gone, drug deal gone bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's how to solve it. It's like it's not an IKEA set. No, I wish it was. Honestly, that'd be really helpful. So this stuff was kind of like at this point, you're a part of this gang, Ugh. and you don't even know you you better hope this shit's working. Well, they're trusting him. They're all trusting him that this guy knows what he's doing. He knows what he's talking about. And when he tells them, I have to do this, I have to do that. Like, all of this is essential uh, to the ritual. If you want to see your brother alive ever again, we've got to do this. And we've got to do everything how I say it's done. Because that's how it's done. But they just kind of go along with it. Honestly, this is when in my brain I start thinking of all the bad memories I had with that person. And I'm thinking life ends, you know, life comes and goes. <laughs> and then you just kind of like slowly accept the fact that maybe they're dead. Yeah, yeah maybe yeah, this yeah. is over. Yeah. But it was at this point, post-murder, that Constanzo brought his followers into the mutilation process as part of the slow roll towards mass ritual murder that Constanzo had been ramping up to all along. I think that he, you're correct, that this is totally part of the plan. And he knew, because this is how you get people sticky. In, yeah. Like, not, not physically sticky. Complicit. Makes them complicit. It makes yeah. them half. Now you're a part of the crimes, so yeah. you can't you can't pull yourself from me in any way, shape. It's or the form. world's worst timeshare. Yeah. Now yeah. you have to do it. He really is. It's horrible. You ever hear the commercials? You have Sirius XM now for the guy who gets you. Ah, uh, we all know the hell of being trapped <laughs> yeah. inside the bowels of a timeshare, and sometimes yeah. it takes a proper a proper guide, not unlike those that Charon on the River sticks to go and lead those out of the hell and purgatory of a timeshare. There are lawyers making a full time living just on getting people out of timeshares. Well, this is how Constanzo slow walked these people into this. In the first murders, during the hijacking, the followers had just watched and dug the hole. Still complicit, but just a little bit. In the second one, they'd held the victim down while Constanzo had done the mutilation and murder. It's definitely accessory to murder, but they did not actually murder the person themselves. And now, Constanzo was handing them the knife and commanding them to mutilate the body. After Constanzo removed the hitchhiker's brain for later use, Elio stepped in and harvested the heart by cutting into the hitchhiker's chest. Once the heart was removed and thrown into the cauldron, Constanzo ordered the other followers to hack and cut away at the corpse to make more fodder for the Nganga. You know, I've watched so many barbecue shows of the Uh, last couple of weeks that it's just like, I don't know why my brain is so curdled because I feel like at some point. I have a feeling I know why. I just (laughs) should be like upset. It is when pretty you hear bad. These details. I it's actually bad want details. you to be upset. I want I you to be upset. I actually, Marcus and I both need you to be kind of upset when you hear this because uh, we are all in business together. And I need to, when you hear. Then they hack the body to feed the culture. I know. I need you to not think of barbecue. I don't know why I it's really there. Really, like as an audience, the audience wants you to be better. I just I see the rest. We have to rips. end the show now. I now see. we have to end doing the podcast as a whole because your brain now it's worth at the point where I'm now you no longer care that people are getting hacked apart. I'm so hungry. Okay. <laughs> That's the problem. 
Well, as the cultists did what they were told, Constanzo said that hacking and slashing at the body would wash away their fear. And Elio later admitted that the more he cut and sawed at the body, the less human it looked. And the less human it looked, the better he felt and the more power he felt coursing through his own body. Mm. Once the sacrificial murder victim was suitably ravaged, Constanzo ordered his followers to dig a hole and wrap a metal wire around the spine of their latest victim for future use in another ritual. The hitchhiker's remains were soon buried, but the wire would be left sticking out of the ground for easy removal of the spine later on. Wow. And all this sounds fucking insane. Yeah. But to the members of the cult, it was real, all of it. And the effects were felt almost immediately. The very next day, after the cult's worst murder yet, a video came home unharmed because his kidnappers had simply released him and gone home. Well, you know when Texans decide to hang it up for the day? They just put their boots in. That's true. We're done. When we decide something's done, it's we're fucking done. They're done. Get rid of Get out of here. Get out. Now, this result, it could have had a number of origins, none of them magical. The most logical explanation was that the kidnappers just didn't have the stomach for cold-blooded murder. You know, just because they're fucking, you know, weed smuggler, or or just because, you know, they're cocaine smugglers doesn't mean they're murderers. Uh, And they had no choice. Like, after their bluff was called, after Constanza was like, I'm not giving you anything. They just, they have to let him go. They have to do the Zabrowski technique. They have to. The Zabrowski hostage technique. I've been trying, I want to teach this in class one day. If you want to make sure that the the goal is to psychologically torture your kidnappers by loud singing. So you sit in that chair. You're going to be fucking Michael Richards in UHF? The grand old flag. (laughs) So you're the one one who is kidnapped. I'm just saying, as a. What if they put put a sock in your mouth? <laughs> and no, number two, annoying. you know what's actually really important to do? Shit yourself. <laughs> because yeah. the more you're smeared in your own shit and your own piss, the more the harder it's going to be moving you from apart and apartment. These all these cartel well, it's a punishment guys, in itself. These yeah. guys have good cars. They have nice interiors. A lot of leather. I can't be all smeared with fear-ridden shit because no. then it smells worse. <laughs> I'd be livid. Yeah. Yeah. Or it could be that Constanzo again orchestrated the entire thing. This whole thing might have been a setup. But when it came to the cult, none of those explanations were options. To them, they'd been faced with a seemingly impossible problem, and that problem had been solved with actual blood magic, which only further solidified their belief. But just because a person was a member of the cult didn't mean they were safe from being fed to the Nganga. Oh, damn it. I was hoping you wouldn't say that. And if Constanzo wanted complete control, he had to make his followers fear each other definitely but him most of all. I mean, why wouldn't you think that if if all of these people, like we just put seven people in the Nganga, there's now eight, nine people in the Nganga? At this point- Somewhere on there. You're like, aren't we all- just in Ganga food? I don't. Well, maybe not though, because other people are in there. But maybe you feel safer if you're doing the killing. I don't know. Oh, it's like a boa constrictor, and you can only eat six months. Every six yes. months. Yes, I love those pictures of the boa constrictors. It's usually seen if it's longer than the body that it's laying next to, so it will consume it. You see those pictures? I didn't. I haven't. Oh, 
Are you talking about those old Rotten.com pictures where they cut open the boa constrictor and there was a person No, inside? I'm saying when boa constrictors, people take pictures of them and be like, he cuddles in the bed with me. He wants to see if he's longer than you. And then as soon as he's longer, then he's going to eat you. And that's how ah. your wife will choose you eventually. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, Adolfo's next chosen victim was cult member Valente Gomez. Gomez was the cocaine addict who joined up through Little Seraphine because a murder cult sounded, at the time, like it'd be a real stone groove. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a real, it's a, a real Eddie Winter joint. Yeah. <laughs> Constanzo had a strict no-drugs policy in the cult, which made the murder of Valente an easy sell. And it became much easier after Gomez was discovered to have been getting high on the cult's own supply. Whoa! Think about how frustrating that is. You're a cokehead. Yeah. You have some of the best coke in Matamoros <laughs> just like hanging around. You see you no one's using bit it. Of it yeah. yeah, I mean like I gotta try this shit when it comes down to it. I, you'd even kind of pitch it at Adolfo and being like, this is quality control. I how do we it, know yeah. what we sell and if we don't know what it's like? Well, the whole mm-hmm. thing is we don't give a fuck though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're just gonna kill you. Ah, no. this is like Google. Yeah. <laughs> So, Constanzo decided to truly test his followers' dedication by giving them a surprise command to kill one of their own in the middle of a ritual. Now, that night, as far as the cultists knew, the ritual was going to be a somewhat routine affair involving a chicken and a cat. We're going to kill the chicken, we're going to kill the cat, we're going to go home. Yeah, yeah, it's a real Heathcliff bar mitzvah. Sure, yes. (laughs) But after the animal blood was fed to the Nganga, Constanzo turned to his followers and told them that they had an enemy among them, <gasps> one who had stolen from the cult, used their drugs, and laughed behind their backs. Uh, no way he's talking about, no way he's talking about me, <laughs> right? me, brother. Yeah. Oh, yeah, who, man, who, 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 man? Who the, is it? The one guy wearing, I'll kill like, him right now, I'll kill him. <laughs> he's wearing matching, like, chessboard, like, colored shirt and pants, and he's wearing roller skates, just standing there being like, no, man, just little moonwalk, just having a good time. You know what I was thinking about? You know, I was talking to this guy the other day, and he told me he had a great singing voice. <laughs> well, seemingly involuntarily, but probably subconsciously, the drug-addled Valente stepped back from the group, immediately singling himself out oh, as the guilty no. party. Oh, man. Yeah, it's like guy. when you ask the dog what it's doing and just <laughs> do that weird, no? like... <clears throat> the cultists all turned and stared as Constanzo laid out the charges, and they were all very quickly forgetting that this man just a few moments ago had been their friend. Finally, once Constanzo had finished his speech, he walked up to Gomez and said, quote, It's you, Valente. Man, your writer is getting real good. (laughs) Constanzo then pulled out a machete and with one blow shattered Valente's jaw with the flat of the blade. Valente then told his followers, that it was time for them to directly participate in a murder, and a murder of one of their own at that. He said that Valente had to die because he had offended the gods, and if the others didn't participate, they would die as well. Oh, man, Adolfo, man, it's fucking Wednesday, man. I got fucking <laughs> shit to do tomorrow. It's must-see TV tomorrow, man. Yeah. This is a hard day. I and Elgato we were... was just like, Rao. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing makes a cat more curious than a new little cat toy. Shut up, Gelgato. I have to stop inviting you. It's a quite annoying group. It is. Yeah. Well, the first to step forward was El Doobie. Because El Doobie. Don't fucking get in there, dude. <laughs> very not Doobie. <laughs> very <laughs> not Doobie, dude. Just fucking call me El Not Doobie then. Wow. <laughs> 
Well, El Duby had already killed before. Remember, he'd killed that drug dealer and Los Sombreros. And he seemed to have been just fucking waiting for the moment when he could involve himself directly in a ritual murder. I mean, honestly, weed, weed and cocaine. If you love weed, you're much different than the person who loves coke. Mm-hmm. And I could see them. El Duby's revenge. Yeah. <laughs> I could see it. Well, once El Duby stepped forward, the rest followed. They broke Valente's ribs one by one. They stabbed him in the stomach and chest. They beat him to a bloody pulp with their bare hands. But it was Constanzo who struck the final blow. He picked up a hammer and brought it down hard on Valente's head, burying the tool in the former cultist's skull. He then pointed to the gore and told every follower present that this is what would happen to the disobedient children of Cadium Pembe. Just want to make sure it's mostly not doing the cocaine, right? Because I'm not going to do any of that. <laughs> I'm telling you the make fucking sure truth, what man. the rules are. That's why they call me old fucking doobie dude. Yeah. I'm a fucking downer kind of guy, man. I am just trying to watch my cartoons, Jeez. friends. Just let me know what the rules are. I will follow them, sir. Oh, and all I need is a ball of yarn oh. and a tiny little ball of milk. Well, you did just kill a guy, but you are kind of cute there, yes. jellicle cat. Yeah. After that, the cult was more dedicated and felt more invincible than ever. Partly, it was because they believed they'd purged a weak link. But mostly, they had to be more dedicated after that. Because otherwise, they'd killed their friend for fucking nothing. Oh my goodness. After Valente, the cultists sacrificed two police officers, feeding them to the Nganga, even though they'd both assisted in the ruse that had gotten the video kidnapped. But even though the cult was ramping up the murder rate, the magic never stopped. The magic never stopped. It's not like that, though. It seems like it's, it's not like Hollywood. Uh, at Rancho Santa Elena, yeah. the magic never stopped. It sounds like yeah. Madame Tussauds, but it's really not. This is a murder cult. After killing the two officers, Constanzo and Elio returned to the grave of the hitchhiker. Once there, Constanzo grabbed the wire they'd left sticking out of the ground, and he jerked it upward. On the other end was a vertebrae from the hitchhiker's body, which Constanzo handed to Elio and told him to clean. This, Constanzo said, would be a part of a necklace that would bring Elio luck as long as he wore it. Elio did what he was told and wore the bone of Constanzo's murder victim around his neck. After that, the cult would go into berserker mode as a group, marking a bloody month in which at least seven people would die. But the last of those seven would be an American. And it's because of that American that our series ends next week with Adolfo Constanzo Part 3. Oh my Dude, god. Honestly, very cool. Next week. Interesting story. We are shifting. This is it goes full Robert Rodriguez next week. Mm-hmm. We are going to get Planet into terror. them coming for them, like Costanzo fucking running from the cops, more ritual cult murder, the cults for cartels versus the police. Fucking federales. It's yeah. fucking intense, dude. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening to our series. An Adolfo Constanzo. I hope you enjoyed it or, or enjoying it as much as we are because mm-hmm. this is a fascinating cult and uh, really different than most that we've ever seen. Well, this is way more of a. I, you say cult, I say serial killer support group. Mm, isn't that nice <laughs> it is very much like they are now feeding him he is the el padrino he's the one that is like kind of the, all of these people do exist kind of tertiary to him just so that he is a padrino you know what i mean yeah. Well, like he needed a group 
He well, needed I mean, a people- El Doobie can't be the leader. <laughs> no, El Doobie, I mean, he's too fun. He can't he's have too fun. He doesn't know yeah. how to delegate. I mean, this Definitely. is absolutely a cult. I mean, because, you know, it, but it is a cult that is led by a serial killer. I mean, he uses all the same manipulation techniques that other cult members use. I mean, he manipulates these people into doing shit that they don't and shouldn't be, don't want to do and shouldn't be doing just like most cults do. Uh, it just so happens that this is one of the most violent cults to ever exist. At least in modern times. And if you did do cocaine in the 80s near Texas, you probably snorted some of this coke. And let us know. Side stories, LPOTL at gmail.com. How was it? How was it? How was was it? it? All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. And uh, we um, got. Hey, 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 now, hey, now, hey, now. We're in in this shit. We got lastpodcastmerch.com. You should check it out. There's There's bullshit on there. There is. There's well, more than actually no bullshit. There's shirts. <laughs> There's uh, a lot of good we, merch. We got a lot of good merch. Considering how much there. we, we talked about bull semen on Roundtable of Gentlemen, people might legitimately go to our website thinking there is bullshit at it. I think we should. <laughs> there is no <laughs> actual bullshit. You can't sell it. Why can't we get into no animal buying, farming? No one's buying it. No one's buying it. Oh, is the, the market dropped out? Yeah, market <laughs> dropped out of bullshit. I know fall's coming. We've got a really nice flannel for sale at lastpodcastmerch.com. Yeah. Actually, I will say I it has become my new favorite shirt. I wear it all the time. There it is. That's fun. Uh, we also, we got, we got our Twitch. So thanks everyone who gave uh, for Haunter House. I know Halloween is over, but thank you all so much. We made, I think, like 12 grand for charity that it month. It was about, yeah, about last 15 month. grand. That's no, awesome. the last take, because we doubled up. Because this year to charity, we've given over $35,000. That's awesome. Well, thank you. <laughs> it's gotten insane. <laughs> Thank you all so much. I don't know what that's insane enough for me to laugh at. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I can't believe that we are. You can't believe that we're good people. And Henry, we're doing we, didn't to, we didn't want to tell you this before the show, but we're giving your salary to charity as well from now on. So that's really exciting if you think about it. Like Yay. you seem sad. But it's very brave happy. of us. It's very brave of you specifically, Henry. Um, all right, everyone. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Check out all the other shows on LPN. We got ourselves the No Dogs in Space. We got ourselves a page seven. Indeed. We have history. Abe Lincoln's time. Was there in the bruiser? We got a lot to talk about. And this week on No Dogs in Space, we have officially started our series on Joy Division, which yes. is a lot funnier than you would expect. Oh, no kidding. They were always so sad. They are very sad, and it's very tragic. Epilepsy. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's what I remember. I just remember yeah. epilepsy. It's, it's I mean, no, just about, Yes, it is a sad band, but there's still four shithead kids from Manchester, so it's gonna. there's going to be a, there's a lot of turd talk in there. Oh, yeah, cool. all right. Yeah, Check yeah. that out. No dogs in space because they die. Just ask the Russians. Okay, everyone. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Yogin, Magustalations. Hey, guys, how about you hail me so I don't have to start doing all this human sacrifice? El Doobie, you got it, my friend. It'd be nice to just not have to start my own Nganga. Don't. Do not. I, my problem is that I just hate being stinky. I know. Yeah. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. <laughs>